0: you're listening to the plug with neil griffiths All right, everybody, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with Neil Griffiths. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. Hope everything is swell in your part of the world. I am really excited about this week's episode because it is one of my teenage musical heroes. On the podcast this week, I'm joined by US singer-songwriter Andrew McMahon. Andrew, who's also the frontman of genre legend Something Corporate and solo project Jack's Mannequin, came on the show this week ahead of a huge solo tour of Australia in February. I've seen Andrew perform many many, many times and have been a fan since I was a teenager, as well as a brand new album which is called Tilt at the Wind No More, due out on 31st of March, we spoke about his time with Something Corporate, leaving the band to start Jack's Mannequin, and finally launching Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness in 2014. Something Corporate are also set to play at the 2023 When We Were Young Festival in Las Vegas, and he revealed how that came to be and any potential future plans with the band. Andrew will be playing shows in Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney next month. Check out DestroyAllLines.com for tickets, and he'll then head back to the u.s after to play a bunch of headline shows head to andrewmcmahon.com for tickets here is andrew mcmahon on the plug podcast what a fantastic intro that was by myself and now welcoming to the podcast for the very first time i am stoked to welcome in andrew mcmahon sir welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me i'm glad to be here
0: spoiler alert we we spoke for like 30 to 45 seconds before we started recording um, and I've, I've told you this is a, a very big deal for me because I'm a big fan of yours and have been for many many years obviously one of the reasons you've come on the show today is to promote the upcoming Australian tour which I am not gonna see which fucking sucks <laughs> but it's <laughs> gonna miss be you. great um, how are you doing man as we record this and we will be releasing this the same day we are what two and a half weeks away from the Australian tour how are we feeling it's been a it's been a few years since you've been down under
1: yeah I'm feeling really good you know it it's it sort of the, the format as far as like you know me and the piano is something that I've really gotten a lot more comfortable with over the last handful of years you know i mean really in twenty eighteen that was probably around that time that i that I kind of started leaning into trying to to do some more shows, just me and the piano. And, and uh, um, I'm excited to kind of bring that energy back to Australia. Those shows tend to, you know, there's a lot of freedom for me to kind of stop and start, tell jokes, call people out in the audience, you know, and, 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 uh, um, you know, it's it's funny, because for as long as I've done this, I've always kind of wanted to hide behind a band and I, I i i as i get a little older i'm i'm realizing i'm really enjoying the uh, the time i spend on stage alone uh, with the, with the crowd out there so it should be fun
0: yeah let's let's promise to not talk about covid too much in this podcast if at all but yeah. i do i do have to ask because again this is the last time you were in australia was pre covid yeah. very exciting you've started releasing some new music we know that an album is coming out in late march yes how have the last 12 to 24 months been for you
1: well you know look i mean obviously we've all you know i think we 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 suffered like a global trauma you know the likes of which i think people are still unpacking myself included uh you know i was eager to put a record out in 2020 and i kind of started working toward it um but then when when the lockdown happened I, i i just it was so clear to me like i really need that like i need that collaborative sort of vibe to to get in, you know, whether whether it's writing or just producing music. And it seemed like that wasn't the direction that things were going to be heading, you know. And so I actually just focused on I strapped I strapped in and I wrote a, a memoir in that period of time. And, and so it, you know, that kind of became my focus for a good chunk of the the 2020, 21 as well. Um, but in the last year and a half, I mean, between recording this record, um getting on the road with uh with uh, dashboard confessional we had an amazing summer on the road together um and and yeah i think now it, there's there's this energy where it's like oh cool I, I get to put a record out that isn't about that sort of traumatic window of time you know i use that to unpack i think other drama in my life that i hadn't really resolved and that's where the memoir came in so like it sort of cleared the deck for me to like you know make this new music that i feel is like really free and, and, and uplifting and, and, uh, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just super, I'm super eager to see where this year goes.
0: Yeah. Again, we've, we've heard a few songs from this upcoming album and it was, it's really cool and, and sad to think that you're not only four albums deep into the, in the wilderness project, but the first album came out in 2014. Yeah. That does not feel that long
1: crazy right i mean like i mean this will be the most records i've put out with any of my projects you know which is is, yeah is is wild i'm sort of adding slowly you know something corporate got two Jack's got three now we're at four (laughs) um you know so uh yeah it, it, it is wild to me you know just looking at the markers of my life you know my daughter um was born while i was making that first record and now you know she turns nine in february um so it is uh uh it's it's wild how time is is passing uh to say the least but um but you know I guess that's all that's what it's doing all day every day so uh you know just do my best to try and make things in the the middle of it
0: I know that you kind of consider all these projects like chapters or or certain parts of your life and again you just said this will be of the three bands you've had or the three projects this will be the the most you've done is there a, a reason for that? Is that purely coincidence?
1: Well, I think look, you know, getting to the point where finally I was willing to actually put my own name on a project, I think was was you know was a a, a moment in and of itself. Um, at this point, you know, I think what I've I've really tried for this project and for the wilderness in general to to, to encapsulate is just this idea that. I write songs. I've written songs my whole life. And, you know, and and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep making music. And if you come see a show, you know, this, this is an umbrella under which you're going to be able to enjoy, you know, all the, all the songs from all the, all the projects, you know? Um, And so I think that, I mean, I think that's it more than anything. Also for me, like, I just think that the idea of, of the wilderness when it started was, was, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, right. You know, challenging myself to write with different people, to produce music with different people, to um, you know, to try different configurations and lineups on stage. Uh, And, and I think living in that space is a really healthy space to live in. And, and, you know, hence, hence I've, you know, hence I've been here for for about eight, nine years now. Mm.
0: Do you have a, I guess your own opinion of what this upcoming album is going to sound like compared to the previous three. Cause again, I pretty unashamedly say that that 2014 album is probably one of my favorite albums across the board of something corporate Jack's mannequin and in, in the wilderness. I love that album so much. And I did feel a little bit that listening to these two songs, but maybe I'm just, cause I just love that album so much. I just hear it wherever I'm listening to it.
1: Yeah. I I think like, the, the sort of, ethos and the approach to this record is 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 much more in line with the way uh you know the the self-titled and and the zombies record were made you know i i you know i had kind of this this hodgepodge of songs i'd written myself or starts that i had 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 kind of uh undertaken leading up to the produce production of the record um and then there were other things that that sprang up while we were making the album. Um, so it's, it really is sort of just like, you know, across a few different disciplines of writing with writing with other people in the room, writing on my own, and, and then taking it all into one space and producing it all at one time, which is really how I did those first two records. Um, and there's certainly, I, I think that the spirit of adventure, like sonically, that, that is, that is, uh, present in both of those records is very much a part of the DNA of, of this album. Um, you know, I just wanted to have, honestly, it was just like, let's have fun. You know, I think we'd been locked up for so long and then, you know, that I really wanted to just be in a room with people I really trusted. Um, so we could take some chances together. And I think there's a lot of that, that
0: Is it largely a lot of the people you worked with on the previous records or is this a whole new batch?
1: No. So, so, uh, from the writing standpoint, I did work uh, with Dan Emilio, who I uh, Dano and I wrote uh, Fire Escape together. So he, mm-hmm. he, he there's a couple of tunes on this record that he he wrote with me. Um, the production thread, uh, so Tommy English, who who is uh, one of the producers on this record, uh, he also did like Borns and and um, you know he's, he's got an amazing list of credits. He's so talented, but he actually was the guy who bailed me out on the zombies on Broadway record when I, I, I famously had to leave New York. Cause uh, New York just was too much for me to take after a couple of months. There. See, I've, I've
0: heard this a few times and I'm terrified. Cause I'm like, I've only been here a few months. What no, was you, the month you, for you where you were like, I'm done. If you,
1: if you made it a few months, you made it, a, you made it one more than I did. So good. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so, so Tommy, uh, came through and he produced Island radio and, uh, and Brooklyn, you're killing me for the, for the zombies record. Right. And I, I, I just was so in love with that process. And so inspired by him that I, you know, I had reached out on a couple of occasions, trying to, to find a, a window to work together. And it just so happened that he was free at the beginning of this past year to do it. Um, so, so, you know, we had worked together on a couple of things, but this is the first record we did fully together. And then, my friend Jeremy uh, Hatcher, who was he was he actually played in my band um, when I did like the first just solo Andrew McMahon tour. So like when I when I put out Synesthesia and Catching Cold and that EP of tunes, right. Jeremy was playing guitar with me, um, and we've just been very close ever since and really good friends. He went off to become this incredible engineer and producer works for Rick Rubin and Kid Harpoon, and um, and we wrote together ahead of the production of the record and. I think we were maybe in the studio like a week or so. And Tommy heard one of Jeremy's writing demos that he had done for me. And he's like, who's this guy? And, and, you know, speaking to, I think just the, the, uh, the really collaborative ego free process that was making this record. You had Tommy who was already signed up to produce the album. And he was like, let's bring this dude in. He's clearly super talented. And so Jeremy came in, we had to work on one song and then it was like, then all of a sudden it became Tommy and Jeremy were producing the record together and, and we were all doing it um, as a team. And, uh, you know, there's not as much of that, I think going on in music as, as there should be, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who are buying for credits and cash and all of the things to try and try to do all the business ahead of time. And, and these guys just believe in the music and we we hung out in a, in a little in a little studio for for three or four months and just made it. It was was
0: awesome. It's pretty incredible that you've been able to do that for so long and with such different and diverse and notable projects. Like what's a a mainstream example? Maybe like when Tom DeLonge left Blink and started Angels and Airwaves. Yeah. Angels and Airwaves started its own fan base as well, of course. But that doesn't seem to be done a lot. Yeah. Really ever. You've been able to do it obviously now three times. You've got this fourth album coming out and you've just talked about this great group of writers you've got together. Is this something you now put in your back pocket and say, all right, if we, if I'm going to do another album, then I'll call you guys. Or do you like coming in fresh and having this whole different perspective of what you want to do and how you want to do it?
1: I think a part of what makes creating new music exciting for me is is sort of spinning that wheel. Right. And, and I mean, I would certainly work with anybody that I've worked with historically and I often do, you know, there's, there are moments where, you know, even if I'm working on a project and I'm, I'm doing something with, with somebody else that I often will bring, you know, tie the threads together of my past into whatever, whatever I'm doing. Um, but I think a part of the reason that I've been fortunate enough to have three projects um, is, is, is largely because I'm sort of obsessed with this idea of starting over and, you know, there's always going to be, I mean, I write these songs, right. And I sing them and I play the piano and it's like, you know, that could get pretty boring after a while. Right. <laughs> you know, And I, I mean, I would get bored after a while. And so a part of, a part of my sort of mission in creating, uh, whether it's within a project or starting a new project is like, how do I just? How do I just kind of flip that perspective slightly so it's still me in there, and so people who like my music still can connect to it, but but that I hear something new or something that keeps me excited and wanting to go back to the studio that day. Because um, there's a point where you know repeating yourself can be a, you know it, it can be a uh, you know it can it can lead to success, right? It can be a brand and it can be a thing. I think maybe just my brand has been you know starting fresh every time <laughs> and, and you're yeah. and, and trying to override a little bit of that with just the part of me that that is baked into everything that i do you know?
0: yeah i mean like going back to tom DeLong as well like he's famously said especially when he left blink the first time there was just a part of him that was like it's not that you don't love it but touring the world and performing the songs that you wrote 20 years ago can get tiresome and draining i know that's like a that's diehard fans worst thing to hear Right. but it's true right like you if you got up on stage and just performed just the hits and nothing else i can't imagine that isn't anything but draining
1: yeah well, i think i you know look i i think it's 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 tough as a fan right like you want you want the artist that you love to to stay the same in a way mm. right you want a free like i think there is a an inclination to try and freeze people in time. And largely that's the time that you were most moved by their work. Right. Um, I think, I think the job of every artist is, you know, you want to serve your fan, your fan base. Right. But sometimes you have to, you, you've got to serve yourself first because that's how they found you. That's how, you know, they, the, those records that they fell in love with, whether it's the first record you put out or they signed up two records down the line. It's a moment, right? You're, you're creating it's like that moment in, in their life lines up with a moment in yours where you, what you create, you know, it creates this bond, right. And for me, I think I've just tried to stay true to the spark, right and, and to the inspiration that leads to those moments mm-hmm. as opposed to the uh, uh, the product of that moment. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I think it—you it, know—the songs that that move people when they first heard something, corporate or Jax or the Wilderness—they're um, born out of like this sort of gritty intention to like try and make something new and feel inspired myself, right? And and I and I and look—I write pop songs. I love pop. Music, you know, it's like I'm not—you're not, not going to see me go stretch out and like you know I'm I, and and. You know, I'm not going to write a classical album or something, or you know, like I'm I'm not here to challenge you like that. You know, yeah. I I, <laughs> I I I want um, I want to deliver really good pop music for people, um, and that starts with me feeling super inspired, and and hence you know the, the, there's a lot of different sounds in there, but I, I think the thread of of intention of autobiography of finding some truth is really the the. Uh, the thing that ties it all together, at
0: least for me. I mean, it's great. We now know after three, soon to be four albums that it worked out. But <laughs> at the at the time, was there a lot of pushback, whether it be internally or by fans? Like when you announced, I'm done with something corporate, I'm onto Jack's Mannequin. Were they, people say, what the fuck are you doing? And then same when you push Jacks aside to do In the Wilderness.
1: Well, there, there were two very different processes. Um, so with Jack's Mannequin, I didn't tell anybody. Right, so with yeah. Jacks Mannequin, and you know, every I had every intention of going back and making more something corporate records. You know, I, I just Josh was was starting to do a side project. We were all burnt out and just needed to needed to stretch out and go home for a minute. And and um, it just so happened that that I was writing some of my best music. You know, and like and I and I and for the first time in my life, it was like, oh well, I guess I just I guess I'll just go and cut this demo on my own right and and that just turned into jack's mannequin but i was so worried at the time that people would see it as like a a uh you know like going solo or whatever the, i mean obviously the
0: justin timberlake nsync situation
1: well i think too like there was such a there was such a just coming from that sort of like punk and emo ethos right there was there was such a stigma attached to like bailing on your band right and i and i it, it wasn't what i was doing but i was worried that that people would see it that way like hence i didn't put my name on the project and when we sure. we went on tour and didn't tell anybody that it was my band you know like i we just started floating songs out and hoping people would like that music you know so it, it was like we told promote promoters weren't allowed to mention that it was andrew from something corporate like so right. that was a very very you know, and then I got sick and then I was like, well, that blew the, the, <laughs> the, the lid got blown off all that and people figured it out. Before. But, um, but so that was like a, you know, that was much more of a like kind of uh, tentative slide into releasing another project with the wilderness stuff um, that I think I had a lot more ownership of, right. You know, I, I Jax was my band um, and was my project. And so Shutting it down, even like it didn't feel like uh, you know. I understood the fans would be upset, but I was still going to go on and make another project that was my project. So it, it, to to me, it was like, look, I'm going to weather this, but it was scary. Yeah, that one was really scary. You know, to do it to do it successfully twice is one thing, but I mm-hmm. I was I was legitimately afraid that I would go, you know quietly or not so quietly into the night at that point um but again you know it came down to just a leap of faith I started putting myself in the strangest rooms with like with with all sorts of writers and producers that were like way outside of my discipline um and it got so exciting, you know and I and I had a a really great manager um who believed in it and had the resources and they, they, uh I mean, it was this Herculean effort, the fact that Cecilia was, you know, my biggest song today on my, on my third project, it was like, I mean, I still pinch myself.
0: In hindsight, was there, did you need to be scared? Because again, when you think about guys in bands who maybe go solo, maybe they start side projects sometimes internally, it's, People think it's an ego thing right. that the band are at, at heads with each other. Was there a reason to be scared? Like in hindsight, were, were the guys supportive of, of what you were doing and why you were doing it?
1: Well, yeah, you know, look. So, Jacks, you know, I, I I recorded most of that first record on my own. I brought Bobby in at the end, and he played guitar on it. And then, yep. and then for the next two records, uh, you know, especially in the case of Bobby and Jay and, and John on the second record you know, they, 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 they played serious roles in, in the recording of those albums. Um, So in a sense, it kind of had become more like a traditional band along the way. Um, but, But look, it's like, there's a shelf life for this stuff. Right. And, and I think, you know, for me, the personal relationships that I share with my bandmates, right. And, and, and like, I don't like to see relationships get hard. Right. I don't think any of us do. like we, you know, I, I think there's something very, very personal about a creative relationship that, that stretches out into, you know, many days of the year and sharing buses and hotel rooms and, 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 and all of that. Um, you know, so at the point that it was, it was very similar, I think, with Jackson was something corporate at the point that, that, they were sort of wound down things were maybe a little more raw with, with, with the band, you know, but it wasn't for lack of love. It was just for, you know, the proximity and the intensity of those relationships just over time you have to choose, you know, do you want to be in a band and, and possibly fight or watch your friendships deteriorate? Or do you want to maintain those friendships and, not being in a band and, you know and, and, and
0: then, in, but also like in spite of success right it's one thing to be a, a 18 year old playing with your friends in your garage but then you're touring and you're making money and your fans are getting bigger and the shows are getting bigger that's got to come into play too right
1: it does but i mean what's success if, if you're surrounded or you're in situations that that aren't com- like i don't say comfortable is not the right word but but aren't healthy right like if 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 the pursuit of success leads to you know a lack of health and and quality in your personal relationships that's not success right and and, um you know I've been there and I've done that and there are some things that are just worth pushing through and figuring out and and um you know and and the thing is like none of my bands have ever ended because of like strictly because of personal relationships you know I think most of my bands have run their course because there's just a, 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 a friction point between the execution of, of the art being at the at the top level of the possibility. Right. And and, and that's kind of the biggest driver. Um, certainly all those things come into play, right? You start feeling less inspired if you're if there's tension in your relationships or you're trying to figure things out. I think for me, I just like the feeling of newness you know i like the feeling of walking into a project or walking into to record a record and saying like this could be something totally different right mm. and i think in the case of something corporate and jacks i didn't they started that way but they didn't they they, they weren't going to end that way if i kept going right it was like i was going to be playing with the same components or similar components and it was going to be harder to to expand my my own Mind and my own sort of inspiration within my music.
0: Looking for a new sound in 2023? The new ATH TWX9 is Audio Technica's flagship true wireless headphone. These fully customizable premium buds deliver incredible high fidelity audio with adaptive noise cancelling and dual microphones for professional call quality. So whether you're listening to your favourite tunes, podcasts or just looking for some peace and quiet, step up your headphone game with the new ATH-TWX9. Available now at JB Hi-Fi Australia and AudioTechnica.com. Obviously, Summit Corporate got back together for your 40th birthday last year, belated happy 40th. Thank you. And and you are going to be playing when we were young in Vegas later this year, which I hope to go to. Um, But what's really interesting, and I'm sure you saw this on the tour you mentioned with Dashboard Confessional, this resurgence of, I know you don't like being thrown into the emo fad, but like the pop punk, punk rock, emo. You know, in the last few years, we've had My Chemical Romance are back, Paramore are back, Fall Out Boy are back. Tom's back with Blink. Did you notice it a lot more when you were on the road with Chris and Dashboard? Like, what the fuck is happening?
1: <laughs> well, you know what's funny is like because Chris and I have been talking about doing this summer run that we ended up doing this past summer. We had been talking about it for more than a year at that point, and it was kind of it sort of in my mind it sort of predated that that wave of nostalgia that 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 sort of came for all of us right around the time that the tour got out there um in hindsight like I, I look at it it's like it's so obvious to me now I think because and I, you know because of the trauma of the, the the previous two or three years I do feel like across the board there's been a like a craving for a simpler time right mm-hmm. or the, for the art or the things that moved us before all of the madness of, of the pandemic, right? And and um so I'm not surprised by it. Uh and and frankly, I think rolling into my 40th birthday, knowing I had new music coming, um I think more so than at any other stage of my career, I was I was 100 percent there for it. Right. Like I I I felt it too. Like I wanted I wanted to retread some of that ground and I wanted, I wanted to see, um, I wanted there to be this galvanizing force that like, you know, by putting Chris and I together on a stage, there were going to be people that came to that show that maybe wouldn't have come to either of our shows, but because the two of us were together, they're like, fuck it. I'm going to buy a ticket to it," you know? And, and, um, and it really kind of, it hammered home something to me that, that I, I, it's not that I've ever had this like pretentious, whatever about, you know, being called a punk band or whatever. I, I think I, I was always confused by being associated with punk music, other than the fact that I loved those bands and toured with those bands. I was always like, I don't feel like we were ever a punk band. You know what mm. I mean? Like, mm. but, but, uh, uh, but I think it really dawned on me for the first time after all these years, it was like, whatever, something corporate was labeled as, or, or or whatever the scene really was. It was really fucking beautiful. Right. It was, it was, um, it was such a strange time that so many bands that sounded so different, right. Could exist in one space and nobody batted an eyelash. You know what I mean? It's like, I, something corporate would play next door on the next stage over from anti-flat. Right. You know, like we toured for the first time in Australia, with the offspring. Um, wow. you know, and, and yeah. like you know what I mean? And and that's such a rare thing that that is scene will pop up where, you know, sure there are these common threads and there are certain bands that sounded similar to certain bands and what and, and whatever, but but the fact that bands like you know, the youths were like up next to bad religion, up next to something corporate, and then and then say anything or you know, whatever it was, it just like I think there's there was some magic in that and and i I've enjoyed the fact that this last year has given me some some opportunities to kind of like relive it a little bit and and um and celebrate it maybe more than I did at the time because I just was you know we were all just kids and just caught up in and I don't think there wasn't a lot of time to like reflect yeah. <laughs> at that point you know is
0: is it wrong to assume that you're all friends then because even when you announced the tour with dashboard, I was like. Not only do I really want to go to that, but yeah. I don't think that's ever been done before, has it? You and Chris touring together? I mean,
1: well, not properly. We've done shows together, but yeah. we've never like done a proper like long run together. Um, it is safe to assume that we're friends. I I, I I care deeply for for Chris and I and his band, and I really I love those guys. Um, it was to say it was a joy is like an understatement to spend the summer together. We really like, it was a very supportive, like loving environment where we were just rooting each other on every night on the stage. And, and um, you know, and I, and all these years later, you know, I, I, am still, I'm still good friends with my bandmates in second corporate, you know, when we got together for that 40th birthday show, it's probably one of my happiest times I've, I've spent on a stage. Honestly, that whole night uh, it was just like, I, there's no place I would have rather you know and mm-hmm. and and uh and I think it's because we had uh, you know we we chose to maintain our relationships rather than our band you know and 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 I'm I'm grateful for that because now all these years later like we're gonna get to go play this insane show in in Las Vegas and and you know and I I think in a way we really we got to go out on top
0: for ourselves you know and, and
1: and i i think there's a lot to be said about that rather than grinding something into the ground mm. for the sake of business you know we said like oh shit like we're not really feeling it it's just like move in another direction and, and and i i think that's why we managed to stay friends always
0: is that a a long complex band conversation when you get offered a festival like that or is it just a text in a whatsapp group that says want to do it yep done
1: pretty much i mean <laughs> I, it had been brewing over the course of the summer. Um, and so it was kind of on everybody's radar, but really hysterically, I had gotten a, uh, uh, I mean, I got a phone call at 10 PM the night before the festival was announced and we hadn't confirmed yet. Cause we were just like, we, oh, our deal had, our deal hadn't been done. And I get a call. They're like, they're going to announce tomorrow. You have to, you have to sign off on this deal right now. If you want to be on the poster and be a part of the announcement. And I couldn't get a hold of any of my band. Members. I got a hold of one at the very end of the night, I got a hold of the clutch. Um, and so it was like, the, for me, it was like the worst. It was like, the, it was the most bittersweet thing because, one, I wanted to like be able to just like high five everybody and be like, we got this good deal, let's go do it. And instead, it was kind <laughs> of like, it was kind of like triggering because, you know, I wasn't the best band leader at that time. I was a kid, I was an idiot, you know what I mean? And I was, I, I could be selfish, you know, and I could be um, difficult, and so the last thing I wanted was the first bit of business that we had done as a as a fi- as the five of us in you know fucking what like fifteen or twenty years yeah. or whatever it's been to be me <laughs> unilaterally approving a, a, a festival offer. But I woke up to everybody saying cool like, get right, a very good shit. so it's safe to
0: assume that this show is it's not a, a reunion that the bands not back together this is just a big celebration
1: that's right I mean yeah. look I, I think we just by virtue of the fact that we're gonna get together and practice and go play this show um I don't think it's crazy to assume that we may do another show or two at some point in the future like or that we might try and figure out um ways over the course of the years to to you know throw a gig up and and play for people who want to come um Mm -hmm. I think there I think we're all a lot more open to that than we were before I think the reality of making records is just you know it it requires a lot of it's you know it requires a lot and everybody everybody every one of us has very different lives and Mm -hmm. and careers and whatnot that might make that less likely but uh, you know i'm i'm hoping that over the, the course of the next three or four years there's some more opportunities, for to see some opportunities
0: yeah for that. yeah because i did want to ask as well i mentioned right before we started recording you're going to australia in two weeks I've, i'm going to miss that obviously and i had to go back to australia last year when you were touring with Dashboard. So i'm hoping to see you in new york <laughs> in april but I have a bone to pick with you because, sure. and I've seen again, I've seen you live many times, and I apologize on every fuckwit that asks you to perform Constantine.
1: <laughs> I but did it all
0: summer. Exactly. Why? What gives? What happened?
1: I think the same reason that you know the the, the same sort of uh, uh, you know the, the the pangs of nostalgia that we're that we're referencing in, on this on this podcast here. I I, I felt like. You know, for fans of mine who've been coming to shows for ages and ages, and and uh, who follow all my projects, I feel a little less. Uh, I I don't feel as badly saying like, look, you're instead of the one long song, you're going to get three other songs that, you know, I'm like I'm not going. They're not all deep cuts. You're going to get a hit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel a little less bad about that. Um, and people have gotten comfortable in, in, in understanding that. But I felt like to put up a show with me and Chris, I, I just, I was like, this is going to be kind of raging against like a tide that I just didn't want to fight. It. You know what I mean? I, it felt like, it felt like, you know, if, if you liked something corporate and dashboard confessional in, you know, 2001 to 2004 Chances are Constantine was one of the linchpin songs that connected us, you know what I mean? And, and, and I certainly didn't want to be the guy uh, who was going to throw up the middle finger in that, in that (laughs) circumstance, Um, especially because we were playing on people's, you know, desire to rekindle some of those old feelings. And, and it it felt like it would have been, it would have been, cruel not to include
0: it Well, because again i don't know if you know about the twitter sphere people are always speculating as to why it would be is it because of like what we talked about earlier where like you just don't want to be rehashing old music is it because it's genuinely is an almost 10 minute song is it like a touchy subject for you is was there a particular reason where you're like i'm not playing the song because every literally every show that i've gone to yours people just yell it out and you're like shut the fuck up he's not going to play it yeah, and so this the, is, this reflects so poorly on
1: us <laughs> it's more the second one than the first like right if, if Constantine was a three minute song that was as well loved as it is it would get played every night sure here it goes um as do all of my hmm. most popular three and a half minute songs get played mostly every night you know so um it it, it so it's twofold right it's it's one it's long right and that, that's just a reality. And, and especially at the time, you know, when when something corporate and, and jax were playing out a lot of the shows we played were opening slots, right? So it became really difficult. If you're playing a 40-minute set <laughs> and you play Constantine, you've you've eaten up more than a quarter of your set with that sure. song, right? And that doesn't do a great thing for pacing either. You know what I mean? A 10-minute <laughs> slow song and a 40-minute set is like it's, yeah. a, it's a lot. Um so, so it became this thing really where it really became a practical thing because we would get heckled for it so hard. Right. And people would want to hear it so badly that there were nights where we just simply couldn't play it. You know, I wasn't going to go play Constantine with the offspring opening for the offspring. And like, and so it got to the point where it was like, shit, if the only way we're going to be able to mellow out the people screaming Constantine is by just having a blanket policy that it doesn't get played, then that's, I guess what we're going to do. And it worked and it really did. It's been a very successful way to, to manage it because the people who know just tell the people who don't to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that's, that's helpful. This comes, um, yeah. You know, and, and I sort of channeled a lot of that energy into performing it. You know, we do it 11, my benefit show is every year on November 11th. So on 11, 11, I play Constantine. Um, of course, I've totally fucked that all up now because I, <laughs> because I played it all summer with Chris, but um, but yeah, I mean that that's really it. I like I enjoy playing the song. It's just it's a whole lot of song to have to commit to every night of my life, and so I've had to sort of uncommit myself you know, to it so that people know, like, hey, this is when you'll hear it. Come to that show, and and, and
0: yeah. Is it fair to say that it will be heard somewhere over the Australian tour and ensuing U S tour?
1: I would say it's more likely that it would be played in Australia than it would be on the U S Right. right. Okay. you know, I think because we, I did a, I did a solid, I did a solid, uh, uh, ride through, through this, this fair countryside playing yeah. Constantine for a couple of months that, that I, I will probably go back to, it. it'll probably go back into retirement, but, 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 uh, Seeing as I don't make it out to to see my Australian fans that often, I I, I think it would be a little fucked up if I didn't <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> so it. So I, I will have a. Of, of course,
0: but I'm not going to fucking be there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll shoot a video for you. <laughs> oh, and good. send it your way. <laughs> uh, is, so
0: is, is it fair to say that for the at least for 2023, you you'll be touring a lot, and obviously with this album, you've got when we were young. It's just the next what twelve to eighteen months just on the road. Yeah
1: it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot. Um, you know, we're, the approach has, has been a little bit different for the rollout of this record. I've got a new, a whole new team on, uh, on, on this record that I, that I've had um, previously. So I have a new agent, new manager, new um, publicist, new label. I mean, it's all, it's all new. Um, and, you know, in lieu of like a proper tour for the first half of the year, we're sort of just like, doing a lot of little little small runs right so you know i'm going to go out in may for a couple of weeks uh playing you know mostly cities that i i haven't played in a very long time we're going back to canada for the first time in a while we're playing you know i'm doing two shows at the chain reaction in anaheim which is kind of like one wow. of the clubs that we came up in yeah. you know do, just doing a lot of you know just kind of like testing out you know get, getting the sea legs going and then there's a lot of festivals. We're doing Bonnaroo. We're doing, uh, you know, we're doing Innings Festival in February. Um, you know, there's, so there's a lot of that stuff. Doing Sad Summer, we're going to do Five Dates. Mm-hmm. We're taking back Sunday this summer, which will be cool. Um, and uh, and then probably working up to like a proper fall run when the record's had a few, you know, has had like four or five months to sort of be in the bloodstream and, and kind of put a bill together and then go on a proper license.
0: Great, and you haven't been recording even more music with this with this group of people, have you? Like, if you wanted to, could there be another album? If you wanted to, hypothetically,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, there's not like another album of tunes lying around. But I will start recording regularly within the the breaks from the road. Like, one thing I one thing that I I, I, this phase of life and and the experiment that I'm going to try and run is you know rather than like the classic album tour album tour kind of cycle um you know i've really enjoyed the rollout of this record of like you know putting out a song every month or two and like and i i i feel like there's a lot to that that could be great and i kind of want to lean into that a little more i I get to this point where I've, i've recorded a record and by the time it actually comes out you know there's almost like it's not a disconnect you know what i mean but but there are songs that might have been recorded a year ago or written even two or three years ago. I'd love to get into a place in the next year or two where if I walk out of the studio with a song that I'm fucking excited about, like put it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I just feel like there's there could be something, you know, something it magical about like, well, when you pull something out of the sky, right? <laughs> and it's and you hold it and you go, I love this. To put it right back out into the sky, rather than ho- hanging on to it and talking yeah. about it, and you know, and like I, I, so it, so I'll be, I mean, I will be working a lot more, and, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully with Tommy and Jeremy, and and hopefully with a whole, a whole new cast of characters, and, and that's kind of the phase I'll be in while I'm working on playing this this music that's just coming out for people, and trying to be working to get whatever the next thing is like ready and just have it loaded yeah. up and ready to go as soon as as soon as it, Times.
0: It's, it's so exciting. So exciting, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Can't wait to hear this album in March. Enjoy Australia. Say hi to everyone for me, but I'll I see will. you when you get.
1: Yeah, I'll send them. I'll send them your best and uh I'll be sure to play a super long version of Constantine <laughs> and dedicated dedicated to you every night.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, man. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> Cheers, brother. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it.
0: This episode is proudly sponsored by Audio Technica Australia. Subscribe, rate and review The Plug on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Plug with Neil Griffiths and on TikTok at theplug.podcast to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways.